You are listening to the Permission to Burn Your Manual podcast. I am your host, Kathy Whaley, MD, physician and life coach. Do you want to live the life you choose? A life that is by design rather than by default? Well, that path to the life you choose is uniquely yours, and it's filled with limitless potential. So join me and burn your manual. This book that defines our expectations of self, but also holds us back. Together, we will forge, innovate, and refine as we go along. Hello, my friends. You are listening to Permission to Burn Your Manual, Episode 8. Today, we are going to talk about the power of words. Language is our primary tool for communication, and it certainly can perpetuate stereotypes. It impacts how we perceive the world. It reveals our core beliefs and ideas. The truth is words change our perception of reality. Many of us watch how we speak in certain situations. I certainly am not sitting there dropping the F-bomb at work. I'm pretty sure that would be a party foul in the hospital. So my hope is that you will learn to take as much care in talking to yourself internally as you do editing yourself for your job. Because with this awareness comes the ability to modify, and this will hopefully cut down on the amount of time that your brain is being an asshole. So the first word I want to talk about is the word again. The word again can really pack a wallop. It can be used for good or evil. So I'm going to give a couple of examples. If you have just ridden a roller coaster and you love it so, so much, when you get in line to ride it the third, fourth, or fifth time, you might be thinking to yourself, I can't wait to ride the roller coaster again. And in that word again, what you've brought forward are the memories and feelings from the previous times that you rode. So essentially the word again manages to distill and concentrate those past thoughts and feelings and memories into the next ride, okay? So there is past that's being brought forward, but in this instance, it's good past, it makes you feel good, it helps heighten your excitement. So in that context, again, would be used for good. But on the flip side, again, can also be used in a way that heightens our own suffering. So prior to me experiencing life coaching, I dreaded going to work every day. So I'm going to give you this example because I've lived it and I can certainly speak to how the word again contributed to my suffering. So when I woke up in the morning, I dreaded going. I pretty much dreaded going the entire way in the car. And my expectation was that the day was going to be bad. And then inevitably something would happen that day that I would be sitting here thinking, 
here we go again. It's just another dumpster fire. So in that instance, instead of this just being a moment, another fire that needed to be put out, but only this fire, I again distilled and concentrated all of the past moments and brought all of this baggage into the present moment. The one thing that was happening in the now became the sum total of all of those moments in the past. If you're constantly bringing forward all of that past baggage, I mean, there's going to come a time where that bag is just going to explode. So really be mindful of your use of the word again. It's okay to use when you're concentrating good memories, things that increase your pleasure. But when you're using it to bring forward all of the bad, then the present moment becomes that much more painful. Another example, which I think will resonate with any parent, and likely in particular with parents of neurodivergent children, is that moment when yet another tantrum has happened. And I can speak about this from also personal experience. Uh, I have one child that is extremely sensitive and that things that I normally would think are not very big deals to him are very big deals because he's very sensitive. And so I have to be careful about my thinking because I can easily go to that place of, sweet Lord, why is this molehill becoming a mountain? And in those moments, I find myself thinking, here we go again. Here's another tantrum that's going to last for 30 minutes and there's going to be so much noise yada yada. But again, the same thing happens, right? Instead of focusing on the fact that my kid is in pain, I'm having a very human moment. But I'm having a human moment that frankly doesn't serve me or my child. Because in that moment, I am concentrating and distilling and infusing that moment with all the other tantrums that have happened and how those made me feel, the thoughts I had about them and how they made me feel. Instead of focusing on how I feel in that moment and focusing on the fact that what the tantrum represents is that my child is having big feelings, big emotions, And so when I focus on the here we go again, and I distill and concentrate all of the past forward, I don't show up as the mom I want to be. I show up as the irritated mom. And the mom that is having such an internal battle that I can't fully hone in on his suffering. Now again, that's me being human. I am not beating myself up about those moments. I'm 
bringing it forward to suggest a place of awareness. Because in awareness, significant degrees of change happen just by being aware. Now let's talk about words that can be empowering versus disempowering. So when we talk about our choices, the choices that we are making and drawing our boundaries, often we use disempowering language without even realizing it. So a couple of examples. When I was trying to set boundaries in the middle of the COVID pandemic because I had definitely lost a lot of my workplace boundaries because the pandemic was a dumpster fire and there were constantly emergencies and I was available 24 7 365 days a year but but when the pandemic became a point of normalcy I decided that I was ready to work on reinstating my boundaries and I'm sure you can imagine that that was extremely challenging because once people become accustomed to you not having boundaries, they don't really like to go back. They're benefiting from the fact that you don't have these boundaries. So I vividly remember the moments that I was like, I cannot answer my phone 24 seven, 365 anymore. There's going to have to be some sort of protected sleep time. Because at this point, I was so sleep deprived, I was pretty much in tears. Like blubber tears. But in reality, by saying I cannot, I was implying that the power was being taken away from me. Like I wasn't capable of doing it anymore. And... Frankly, nothing was farther from the truth. I mean, if I had done it for a year, I could have done it for a lifetime. I just might have been extra blubbery. What the reality was is I didn't want to anymore. And instead of saying, I can't, which is very disempowering, I restored the power to myself by saying, I just don't want to. So I'm not going to. I'm making a conscious decision to prioritize my health and well-being. And so I could, but I won't. This is a very, very important distinction. Okay? If I could ever suggest a word exchange that would bring about significant change in how you treat yourself in your words, this is the one. The one where you really own that you're making a decision. You're making a decision to say, I'm not doing that anymore. And it's not a can't. It's a strong won't. Now, another language choice that is extremely disempowering 
is the word should. And I know we have talked about that word in the context of the manual, right? That you can easily know when something is likely written into your manual because you'll be telling yourself, well, I should have done X, Y, Z. I should have made a different choice is essentially the implication. Should again implies that it's been predetermined what your right or wrong behavior is and that you have no power in further determining it. Hence, very disempowering. Should inherently has built into it self-judgment and shame because you're sitting there saying I should have made a different choice I failed to meet my own expectations okay to me the appropriate substitute for should is number one recognizing that On any given day, we can rewrite our own expectations. So I'm not sure that should really has a place. It's not having a place in my world. I'm trying really hard to edit it out altogether. But should really can be, I could, but I'm choosing not to. I'm going to say that again. Could, but I'm choosing not to. When we add back in, the reality is we don't want to do something. And that's why it didn't happen. Our power is back. Our power comes right back. And we're no longer a victim of the manual or the circumstances. So now let's pivot to how we can harness the power of words when we are chasing a dream. So do you have a BHAG? And for those that don't know what that is, that's big, hairy, audacious goal. This has been on my mind because I have been birthing a BHAG lately. And if you don't have a BHAG, do you just know that what you're doing right now is a dumpster fire and it's not working? Because if that's the case, then the language we use to talk to ourselves about change, about pursuing a big goal, Those words will drastically impact our likelihood of success, our likelihood of truly getting on the path that moves the needle. So for example, when I started out with the coaching, the first thing I did was recognize that I wanted to build a website, but I had never built a website before. So there was the possibility of saying, well, I've never built a website, 
And so by saying never, I had pretty clearly decided that I wasn't capable of it. But instead, I pivoted to, I don't know how to build a website yet. And in that yet is limitless potential. It doesn't matter if I figured out how to build a website when I'm 99. The point is, yet implies that I know I'm capable of it if I put my mind to it and that it's coming. I have since built a couple of websites. So just because the past hasn't told me how to do something already doesn't mean that within my future I can't create the ability to learn something or try something new. I also had the moment where I could have said, if I manage to get this website set up, which implies I'm not all in. And it means that I don't believe it's coming at some point and that the yet is not a reality. But if I instead said when the website is set up, which might be when I'm 99, let's say. But if instead I planned for the win, then I know I'm all in. It may be hard, it may take me some time, but I'm all in. Same thing is true about saying, I'm going to try to build a website versus saying, I will build a website I am going to build a website. Try implies that you think you may fail. And it's not about whether you fail or succeed. It's about showing up the committed version of yourself. Because if you can show up the committed version of yourself, you're going to have the highest chance of success at achieving the goal you set. The way we talk to ourselves matters. It's just that simple. The way we talk to ourselves is a fundamental factor in shaping who we become. And it influences how we feel about ourselves, what we believe about what we can achieve, And ultimately, the success of our endeavors, because how we talk to ourselves will influence how we show up to conquer any goal. Henry Ford very famously said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And in that statement, you see that Words can be used for good or evil. And with our awareness, we can learn to harness the good and the powerful in those words. That is all I have for you today, my tribe. 
I hope that you all set forth on a wonderful week. And as always, I'm right here rooting for you. If this episode spoke to you, I would love to invite you to subscribe to the podcast and write a review so that we might help increase the reach of this podcast so that with your help, I can help as many people as possible. Are you ready to start making progress forging the path to the life you choose? Well, visit me at freedomforphysicians.com. Here you will find free resources and guides for any healthcare professional ready to get started. As always, I'd love to hear from you, so don't hesitate to reach out.